0: A bit late. Um okay, so uh, continuing on. Oh you have you have some extra? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot extra. Okay, right. So let's go back. All right, yeah, sure. All right, so continuing on with the Suga of the so um, and also trying to connect each year to Purim, right? So that's what we're trying to do. Going along uh, farther and farther down the uh, the rabbit hole, the Mayhilach, and uh, seeing how it connects the Purim. So <clears throat> Like this. Last week we talked about what's unique to Kla Yisrael, what's unique to Aramuna. Yeah, we have enough now? Yeah. Okay. So we talked about last week what's unique to Kla Yisrael, really the the dividing line between Kla Yisrael and Amalek. We talked about this Amalek as it manifests, as it makes itself known through Paras. The dividing line is uh, a willingness to sort of embrace uh, the paradox in order to embrace. What's beyond maybe our ability to truly comprehend. And we talked about how we have this sort of paradox, these two sides of creation, two levels of Torah itself. You have what, again, what we've been talking about, the way we've been describing the past uh, few weeks the primordial versions of Torah, the higher dimensions of Torah, dimensions that are not uh, governed, they're not determined based on necessarily our choice, it's just the reality of the moment, the reality of the situation is that, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, and then there's the the, the lower dimension of Torah, the, the, the version of Torah, so to speak, that we are able to read and able to comprehend, which completely depends on our decision and our choice to adhere and to connect ourselves to that Pasuk. So you have the, the, the dimension of Zohar Siyamashah Sakachi again, just as an example, that is completely irrelevant whether you like it or not. That's the reality of your life on the seventh day of the week. No matter what you do, you're part of that Pasuk. And then you have the final dimension of Zohar Siyamashah Zakadshay, which is not, the, is not the, the, the entire universe you're living in. It depends. You, you have to align your universe with that Pasuk. And that's what that, and then, and then doing so, that's called living and if not, not. So, and, and, and as we said, the dividing line between Qayistro and Amalek in particular is a willingness to accept both of these sides. And even though they're paradoxical, but to live a life that even though you might not be able to intellectually synthesize how these two sides go together, but in terms of how the Neshama is able to digest this and produce a person who is passionate about living a life of zohar without being overwhelmed by the responsibility of that pusuk and the risk of maybe not following that pusuk you know and so we talked about this the confidence that about chuva needs to have in order to in order to embrace embrace the process of chuva the confidence that he needs is the belief that no matter what happens and no matter what he did he was ready in that pusuk anyway and that confidence, which comes from the primordial versions of Torah, is mechazik his, his, uh, his uh, commitment to live a life according to the final version of that pasuk. And so that, power, even though it doesn't make sense, but the neshama is able to sort of work those two things out to produce a, uh, a person who's, uh, who's a Valshuva. That's what we talked about. But Amalek, on the other hand, can't put those two things together. So that's uh, we talked about, that. And now we're going to move on a little bit further into that sugya of... The ability of the neshama, and particularly a Jew, to meld those things together, to attribute on the one hand to mamish, attribute everything to the Rabbanu Everything, everything is coming from Hashem. Everything is the reality of my life is zechas <laughs> yamish Beyond my capability of 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 deciding that or undermining that, it's all the Rabbanu And yet, at the same time, it doesn't stop me at all from actually living a life of zechas <laughs> yamish and more than that, even when I'm fulfilling the final version of that Pasuk, I'm still filled with the sense of Hashem's presence and the sense of humility in the fact that I'm only able to live the final pas- the final version of that Pasuk also because Hashem is giving me that help. So again, th- this is where the, bita- the imuna bitachen of a yid is so paradoxical, where I'm, I'm, I'm so full of bitachen in the rabbinish lailam and with a sense of helplessness and, and a sense of nullification before his presence, Even when I'm doing something, and because of that nullification, I'm actually empowered to do it. And so, even though it might not make sense, that's the power of Nishmas Yisrael. We're going to go more into that today. But again, let's uh, connecting it to Purim. So, in Purim, we know that uh, you know even uh, like every little kid that learns about the Purim story, who's the bad guy of Purim? It's Haman, right? So we clap Haman. But the truth is, in Chazal and the Gemara, you don't have to go too far in uh, the Gad of Maseches Megillah to find out that. Not only is 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 there another villain, but there's another villain in 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 Purim that Chazal, the Gemara, equates to Haman, and that's Achashverosh. In the Purim story, Achashverosh is uh, at most just uh, you know neutral, vague. He doesn't have any decisions of his own. You know, he's definitely about taiva, but uh, but in terms of like anti-Semitism, you don't really see that. You don't see any of that. But when you look in Chazal, we find that Achashverosh. Was Mamash Rasha and his his uh, hatred to the Jewish people took on a unique form as opposed to Haman. Haman hates Yidin, Now we know, plain a posh, he wants to get rid of Yidden. But Achashverosh is unique. So take a look at Maromakat number number one. Okay, it's the Gemara Megillah on Yud Aleph and Aleph. So the Gemara over here in, in in the Gemara Megillah is is trying to. Uh, you know, the, analyze the name of Ahashverish. Mm-hmm. We know there's a principle in the Gemara that Shemakagarm that the name of a person is indicative of who they are. So the name Achashverosh, the Gemara says like this: Achashverosh is a combination of two words, Ach, brother, and Roish, which means head. Okay, even though it's missing an Aleph, but if you play with the letters, it could sound like Roish with an Aleph. Achashverosh, Amarav. So Rav said, Achiv Shal Roish, Ben Giloy Shal Roish that the word Achashverosh means the brother of a person that's described as the head. Maybe not literally the brother, but the same uh, of the same mindset. Who is this person that's called the head? And that's netzar, the one that destroyed the first base of Mikdash. The Gemara says, Achiv shal rosh. What do I mean that he's the brother of this person called Raish? means Achiv shal netzar harasha. That Achashver is cut from the same cloth as nebuchadnezzar. Shnikra raish who is also called the head. It says in Pasuk, on to Raisha Didahava. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago that Nebuchadnezzar built a huge statue representing his Malchus and made all of the people that he conquered bow down to it. And the, the Navi says, Antu Reish Adava, you are, he had this whole statue had different, different uh, metals making up different parts, and the head of this statue was made of gold, and they said that Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. In other words, that, that head of that statue was a representation of Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar is described as Reish, as the head. So Verosh means that Achashverosh is the brother of Nebuchadnezzar. Not physically, obviously, not biologically, but they're of, this, of the like, like-minded. How so? So the Gemara says like this: Ben Gilush she's you know of the same uh, mindset as Zachas Who Harag? Who Bikish Who <laughs> Hichrev? Who Bikish As Rashi explains the Gemara, it means that that Nevuha obviously probably was not a fan of Yidden, but the Indian of Nevuha was against the Beis Hamikdash. He destroyed the first Beis Hamikdash. He was he, he was a klipa who was opposed to the Beis Megdash, and Achashveresh, his Indian was also anti beis Megdash. So are destroyed, Achashveresh planned on destroying. What does it mean to destroy? At that point, Rashi explains, the foundation of the second Beis Megdash was already laid, and Achashveresh planned on destroying the foundation. He wasn't matzliach, but said that's what he wanted to do. So what the Gemara is telling us is that the Indian of Achashveresh is a hisnagdos, is in opposition to Beis Megdash. Uh, so now we have two enemies of of, of Purim, right? So you have Achashverosh, whose enemy is against the second base of Megiddo. And again, that's something that I've mentioned many times. That one of the major themes of Purim is the Jewish people getting ready and allowing themselves to rebuild the second base of Megiddo. Right? And ironically, Esther and Achashverosh have a son who gives permission to rebuild the second base of Megiddo. And so that's one side of the the the, the klipa of Purim. And then you have the other side of the clip, which is Haman, to destroy and to wipe out the Jewish people. So the question we're going to deal with right now is that, what do these two things really have to do with each other? It can't just be a random thing, two particular enemies. It happens to be, this guy, is uh, he hates Besamekdash, and this guy just hates the, the existence of the Jewish people. And, you know, uh, I guess if there's no Jewish people, then there's no Besamekdash either, so... You know, therefore Ahasuerus joins, you know, uh, sides with Haman and allows him to go through his degree because, you know what, it benefits him too. He doesn't want to base in Mikdash. But we have to understand in, in a deeper way what, what exactly are these two things about? What is the connection between these two things? Okay, so with that in mind, let's go uh, into the Eshvitzar. So in Marmokka number two, there's a piece of the Me'a Shilayach in the second volume. It's on the Gemara Rosh Hashanah. <coughs> he's, to- he's talking about the following idea. We know that... Um, that obviously, you know, Shabbos and Beis Hamikdash are related to each other. That we know that already from this past parsha, parsha of Yaakov, We saw that the halachas of Shabbos are based on on the Mishkan and the Beis Hamikdash. So there's an integration, there's a concept between the two of them. What Shabbos means in time, Beis Hamikdash means in place, and not only that, but as we're, as we're going to see, the Beis Hamikdash is is Shabbos squared. It's Shabbos squared. When a person went into Beis Hamikdash, the Beis Hamikdash was not just a place that reflected Shabbos. That was like Shabbos in its most, uh, its most concentrated form, it's in the most physical form. That was what the Beis HaMikdash was. Ironically, though, as we'll see in a second, is that in the Beis HaMikdash, there was, uh, oh, there was always Chol Shabbos happening. Every single Shabbos, there was Chol Shabbos. How so? So the karbonas, the sacrifices that needed to be brought in the Beis HaMikdash, involved uh, the malachas, shechting, you know, all the malachas that were involved in that. And they would still be done. The Karbonas, so the Beis HaMikdash, again, not all Karbonas, but most Karbonas, Sibur and so on, are Daycha Shabbos. So this is a little bit of an ironic thing. If the Beis migdash means Shabbos, the in that place, you should be Mechal Shabbos, to go against, uh, to do the Malachas. So how do you put those two things together? So that's, the, that's what he's going to be talking about. So let's see inside. Marmachal number two. He says like this. <clears throat> again, first he, he you know, brings us to the concepts that we've been talking about the past few weeks. The inner workings of creation, the essence of what, what reality is beyond the surface, is Torah. It's the words of Torah, it's, it's Every Saturday is Zachar Sia in its primordial form. Every moment is Sam Pasuk. everything, The Torah is not just the blueprint, Torah is the essence of creation itself. But in this world, the, the world that we interact with on the on a physical level, ma'isa Again, these are the terminologies that he's using. That he's using. There's mitzvahs there's d'l'ayla, mitzvahs above, and mitzvahs d'l'sat, mitzvahs below. Right? In other words, there's the, the, there's the physical ma'isa mitzvah that you're doing, which fits with the lowest version of Torah, which sometimes you are putting in tzitzah, sometimes you're not. It's yes or no. It's up to your free will. But then you have what mitzvahs means in its primordial state. This is much higher than anything you could you can do, anything that you could control, anything that you could uh, manipulate. It's higher than that. So he says, haz in this world, hein You have the higher version of mitzvahs, and we have the lower version of mitzvahs, and the lower version of mitzvahs are like clothing for the higher version. They one connects to the other. And he says, this is is the meaning of whenever you make a bracha on a mitzvah. So what's the nosach? So, that Hashem, you sanctified us with your mitzvahs, and you commanded us whatever the mitzvah might be. So without saying it, the observation he's making is, if you think about it, the the order of the bracha is a little bit backwards. uh, What we should say is, that Hashem, you commanded us to do this mitzvah, and by us doing this mitzvah, we become sanctified by the mitzvah. The order is no. no, First, you sanctified us with the mitzvah, and then you commanded us to do it. Uh, what does that mean? So that's what he says. Asher <laughs> kidshonu means Hainu, bash mitzvah b'maisa mitzvah shalom haza. <laughs> Asher kidshonu means you sanctified us with mitzvahs. In other words, there's 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 the mitzvah delale, the mitzvah from above, and then there's vitzivonu, and then there's the mitzvah down here that you commanded us to do, and there's this pull, there's this uh, paradox going on. Uh, am I in control of my life or am I not in control of my life? And every time you do a mitzvah, and every time you make that bracha, you're reinforcing your strength as a yid to be able to embrace paradoxes and to say at the same time, af that there's such a thing as kichonu b'mitzvah, I'm already sanctified on some level with this mitzvah, but af I'm embracing my responsibility of the tzivan. And that's what you're saying when you do a mitzvah. Right. And that's usually true. So biderach klal, every time you do a mitzvah, you're acknowledging this dynamic of there being the mitzvah above, hasheri yidchem and and nevertheless there being a mitzvah below vitzivanu. But in a certain sense, during the six days of the week type of thing outside of Shabbos, there's a, what, what what do they call that pho- that uh, phenomenon in psychology? Uh, dissidence, was it? Um, cognitive cognitive. cognitive dissidence. right? So you sort of just like. Are able to, okay, I, I don't know how, but okay, I'm, And now I'm, I'm in this mode. Now I'm in, you know, I, I acknowledge, okay, and even though in that place maybe it doesn't really make a difference or it doesn't make sense how I could be in control of anything, okay, I'll put that aside, So, which is a little bit playing into, I'm like a little bit, playing into that suffolk, into that doubt, into that place of I'm not sure, I'll just, you know, Play both sides of the fence in so, a moment here and a moment there but then you get to Shabbos and Shabbos Shabbos is Bechalal a time of Mechias HaMolek Shabbos is a time of, of embracing the essence of Kdusha HaS which is not cognitive dissonance which is not like right now I'm only going to be thinking vitzivanu and ignoring Hashem or focused on Hashem Kiddshanah and ignoring V'tzivanu Shabbos means to be able to do vitzivanu, to do V'tzivanu and Afal be over be, still has have a sense of of Eina Melvadoi. Again, it might not make sense, but to have a sense, to have a feeling of all there is is God, and and my entire power comes from Him. And Afal I'm doing. And Afal I'm doing through Him and because of Him. He'll explain. V'iniyin so haShabbosu. What is Shabbos? What so is Shabbos? Shad Mevatal Kol is a time where a person, like physically, we we. Put down the hammer and nails, right? We stop. We stop working. Why? because in the day of Shabbos, there's an overwhelming. Again, the neshama at least senses an overwhelming presence. Shachol ma that everything is from the Rabbanu On That side of mitzvahs, a of kitchana be which during the six days of the week is very much in the background, right? So, in other words, during the six days of the week, the vitzivanu part is very real. Bechir is very real, our sense of control is very real, uh, and we have to be mechazek, our amuna, that there's such a thing as kitchun b'mitzvasev, right? That's during the six days a week. Shabbos, it's like inversed. Shabbos is inverse. It's a very strong sense in the neshama of what? Of kitchun b'mitzvasev. That's what Shabbos is. so much so that, practically speaking, Hilcha Shabbos reflect that in our passivity, in the fact that we're so passive on Shabbos, and we just allow, allow things to happen. And what is Shabbos? Shabbos is nothing more than just the six days of the week uh, being reoriented in a passive form. That's what the you know you don't you don't cook on Shabbos. everything you eat on Shabbos is was prepared before Shabbos. Shabbos is extremely passive. Shabbos is a very strong sense of kiddushan vitzvosav, and the tzivanu is very limited. There's very few ma'aseh mitzvahs that we do on Shabbos. That Shabbos itself requires very few ma'aseh mitzvahs. You make kiddush, but outside of outside of kiddush. There is no positive mitzvah that you do on Shabbos. Shabbos is almost, ex, almost completely passive. Because Shabbos is that overwhelming sense of kitshon b'mitzvah, not Shabbos. And so our actions are, are, are nullified on Shabbos. So so far we have, okay, you have the six days of the week. So again, the power of a yid is to be able to believe in both at the same time. But the six days of the week, there's certainly a heavy-handedness in vitzivanu. And Shabbos, there's a heavy handedness of Asher Kedushan b'Mitzvasef, and then you come to Beis Hamikdash. What's Beis Hamikdash? Beis Hamikdash is something amazing. Avol b'Mikdash. When it comes to the Beis Hamikdash, Shom Karbonis Daichim Shabbos. Over there, as I said, the Beis Hamikdash is Shabbos, right? Every Shabbos is in time. Beis Hamikdash is in space. But yet, what's amazing about the Beis Hamikdash and the and the 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 the, the kedusha of the Beis Hamikdash is such that despite the fact that there's an overwhelming sense of the Rabbani Shalom's presence, of Asherkin Shabbat B'Metzvay it doesn't at all, that it's, not, it's not at all lessened, and it's not at all dulled, that presence of Hashem is not at all dulled by your activity. You see, within, as great as Shabbos is, you can't do work on Shabbos. Why? Because if a person, God forbid, does work on Shabbos, the, of Shabbos, the light of Shabbos is the light of Asherkin kin shanah The light of Shabbos is the light of Einoi Movadai. And if you were to do work on Shabbos, that's going to oppose that light. Within yourself, you're not going to be able to receive the light of Einoi Movadai if, if, you're, if you're working, if you're doing Malacha. But that's because the light of Shabbos just on Shabbos is not super strong. But the light of Shabbos in Beis HaMikdash what is Beis HaMikdash? Beis HaMikdash is such an overwhelming light of Hashem's presence that even if you were to do work in the Beis HaMikdash, even if you bring karbanis in the Beis HaMikdash, and you're slaughtering, and you're doing, and you're accomplishing, with all of your accomplishments, the light of Hashem is so pronounced, and the Neshama is so sensitive to Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvah that even while you're doing Vitzivanu, there's still a sense of Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvah That's how intense the Mikdash is. So in other words, it's like this. On, on, the, the Indian of Shabbos is a sense of his Hizbatlos, a sense of nullification to Hashem. But there is Shabbos, and the light of Shabbos, and, which is the light of Hashem's presence, is powerful, but not so powerful that if you were to do the 39 Malachas, you would still feel that sense of presence. Your your accomplishment in this world in the thirty nine malachas would overwhelm that light of Shabbos. It would be in conflict with that light of Shabbos. But the light of the Beis Hamikdash is it, the, the light of Hashem's presence and His overwhelming the overwhelming reality of Asher Kidshanu B'Mitzvosav. And the light of Ein Mivadah is so intense in Beis Hamikdash that no matter what you do in Beis Hamikdash, you're still going to be filled with that presence, with that sense. So the chiddush of Beis Megdish is a Jew t- to actually do and accomplish and still feel completely nullified to God's presence while you're doing it. To feel as if what I'm doing, I'm doing it purely as, a, as an expression of Hashem's will. Completely not my own. Shabbos by itself, you couldn't do that. Because the light of Shabbos is not strong enough to overwhelm a person actually doing 39 malachas. But in the Beis HaMikdash, even when you're doing 39 Malachis, the light of, of, of Beis HaMikdash is so intense that nothing stands in its way. Even your own accomplishment is, is seen through the lens of Einer Mulvadeh. Listen to the words. Of Beis HaMikdash, Shavas. In the Beis HaMikdash, Karbanis overrides Shabbos. Why? Because it, because it doesn't override it. Because in the Beis HaMikdash, the Neshama sees Shakoma sheupayel Hashem is even when you do, even when you accomplish, there's a sense of it's the Rabbanishtlaam accomplishing through me. in and therefore in Beis Hamikdash there's no there's no separation at all between the mitzvah above and the mitzvah below. There's no there's no there's no there's no concern that if I engage in vitzivanu, it's going to dull the light of Asher Kedusha beMitzvaysof. The light of Asher Kedusha beMitzvaysof is so intense that even with all the vitzivanus in the world it won't take away from that. ad everything I'm doing, I'm going to do it with a sense of Hashem's presence and Hashem's Kayach sort of flowing through me. That's what the Beis Migdash means. Everything I do, it's really, I, I, in Beis Migdash it's with a sense of the Rabbani Shalom. Therefore, there's no opposition in the Beis Migdash between the malachis of the karbanis and, and, and Shabbos. There's no, there's no position at all. The light of Shabbos in Beis HaMikdash is intensified to such a degree that even when you're doing the malachis, even when you're bringing karbanis, it's with a sense of Shabbos. So there's no conflict at all. To deepen this even more, if you take a look at Maramokah number three, maybe not to deepen it, but just to broaden it. So this is a, an amazing piece, in, in also in Chelek Beis and Parshas Tetzavah. So this... Again, it's a little bit a uh, piece that we have to be more, a little bit sneeze about, so we'll just, you'll understand what I mean. So it says, it says like this The Gemara tells us, Mishnah says, that in the base of there were ten miracles that happened all the time. And one of them was the following Sh'achas miyud nisan, one of the ten miracles that took place in the base of Mikdash, in Nasav Mikdash, yom Kippur. That on Yom Kippur, the Kaingadu never became Tomeh, right? With, Tuma, with Tumas Keri, never happened. Uba so the Ishbitzar is pointing out, why is that called a nase? It's called a nase. The Gemara in Yuma tells us, how There was a lot of effort that was put in to ensure that the Qayin wouldn't fall asleep and to make sure that uh, no tuma would happen. The Gemara the, says, the, the young Kahanan would snap in his face to keep him up all night. and He would learn Mishnahis. Uh, they, they put in a lot of nase to make sure that, uh, that he wouldn't fall asleep and nothing were to happen. So it's called a nase. It's called a nase. Ocheng. Okay. So said the like this. The answer is it was Why? Because in Beis Hamikdash, the Kohen wasn't just—it wasn't just a matter of staying awake. He had to spiritually stay awake. He had to constantly call out to Hashem. And if he wasn't calling out to Hashem constantly for Siyata Shmeiya, that he should remain pure and he should remain holy and remain connected, no shadlus in the world would have worked. No, nothing would have worked. Why? So it says like this, in the place of the Beis Hamigdash, that the Jewish eyes are focused on. What does the Beis HaMikdash mean? Shumarli Yisrael, the Beis tells the Jewish people a scary set, a sentence, a sentence that maybe Haman likes to hear. But in Kedusha, it means something much deeper than that. The Beis HaMikdash tells the Jewish person that you don't exist. The Jewish people, you don't have your own existence. You don't exist. Who are you? I'm just a vessel for God. Now usually, usually, that's something that would be in, that, that, that is something that would be in conflict with vitzivano. I can't feel that way if I'm actually accomplishing. The Chidosh of E'shamidosh is that that light was so intense, it was so real, it was so palpable that, Imam a- a- is nothing but an extension of the Divine Presence and just a piece of God's of God's universe, that with all of my heshtadlis, I'm still overwhelmed by that feeling, with that sense. So he says, <laughs> what the Beis means is that nothing truly exists outside of Hashem. So now, the King Godl, Shumuvchar <laughs> Nefashisra, who's the greatest of the Jews, right? He's the, the Khan Godl. Umadugal Bukai Kavadasai and this is the day where he's uh where he's uh you know uh sticking out in terms of his Avaidah. The Yom Kippur, who Yom and Yom Kippur is the greatest day of the year. How so? Shunelam and We have during the 365 days of the year, 364 of those days, there's a very strong sense of Vitzivan. But then you have the on Yom Kippur, which, anyway, is a day which is sort of like taken out of the calendar. It's already a day that's completely heavenly. And you have the most heavenly Jerusalem, is the Kain Gadol in the most heavenly place on, on, on in Beis Hamikdash. So the, the that that day where there's like a, a a trio taking place, all coming to all coming to one f- central focus, which is, it's it's all the Rab- everything is the Rabbanu The Rabban Ishalom, even my Heshtadlus is the Rab- Everything is the Rabbanu Shalom. So in that place at that time, for the Kain to believe for one second. That, that he's keeping himself awake. And the hishtadlis of the Kahanim snapping their fingers is keeping him awake. And he's making sure that he doesn't become Tameh. That's the opposite of, whatever, of what the Beis HaMekdash is about. So the whole Indian of the Kahan Gadol at that moment is to do all the hishtadlis. Of course, he do all the hishtadlis in the world to make sure you don't become Tameh and all that stuff. But it's but but It's a nace. It's a nace that, that, that you're not becoming, tell me. Why? What do you mean neis? I'm doing my ishtadlis. That's the whole Inid Beis amigdash. The whole Inid Beis HaMikdash is to believe that it's ma'amish a nace. What type of nace? What type of nace happens in such a way? It's a neis. It's no different than kriyas Siyam Kriyas so the Bray said to call Yisrael, sit back and just watch. That's the same thing What's happening when you're doing his too. It's the same thing. I, I'm not sitting back and watching. I, I really am. So who's doing the ishtadlis? It's the Rabbay Really? So, so why are you sweating so much? Nishma Yisrael can figure that out. Somehow I could do a and I could feel empowered by that and be happy with what I've done and still with a sense that, that it's all nisim. all So he says like this. <clears throat> Therefore, if the Kohen Gadol on Kippur in the Beis of were to forget for a moment Hashem negdai, to place Hashem before his, before his mind. And for one moment, if the Kaingadal were to think that he has his own existence, that he exists, that he has his own existence, with his own Kaiches, then automatically he would become Tami. There would be a Mirshal that, that would have taken place. It was a nace that it didn't. Why? <laughs> it's an amazing thing. This mechshel, that uh, that tuma that we're talking about over there in that Gemara, mikra. It's called a mikra. It's called a mikra. What does mikra mean? I know. malik, right? It means mikra means mikra means a mentality of thinking that there's such a thing as coincidences. There's such a thing as things that happen without. The Rabbanish law and being fully invested in it, and that in, that will that that gives a person a, a, a false assumption of their own existence of their own power. So all these things are interconnected with each other. If on Yom Kippur by the Kohen Gadol he thinks for himself for a second that he's in charge and it's the shtadlis of the people around him that are keeping him tahar, then guess what's going to happen? A mikra is going to happen. Because that's exactly what a mikra means. A mikra means it's not uh, a mikra means it's me. And once there's once that happens, then already you're you're outside of Kadusha's base. A you're outside of Kadusha's Kadusha's Yam Kippur. Vizuhu <clears throat> geushadumizgoya, and that, that's the Gaiva that, that is ultimately the root of um, of that of that issue. And he goes on to talk about that. Shizash Arava, Chita Ultimately this that tumah that we're talking about, that Gemara is ultimately rooted. In that sense of gaiva, that sense of of wanting to to dominate, of wanting to uh, you know um, what's the word to want to uh, duplicate yourself and to make yourself the uh, the miluas arz which in which in kedusha is beautiful, but on yom kippur in the Beis hamikdash that's not the Indian, that's not the avoda. So this inyan of miluas arz which is coming from a sense of existence is the opposite of what the y- y- Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur and Beis HaMikdash should be thinking about, should be focused on. The Ikra Ha'etz and Negeri Ha'etz Ahara who shifus v'achnoam ha'karas And the Ikra HaVaita that he had to do to combat that was to be mavatul himself and to acknowledge that everything he's accomplishing and he has and will accomplish is all Nisim. It's all Meis Nisim. V'lochen ha'yeneis gadol b'kohen gadol. Therefore it's takah and neis, it's described as one of the Nisim. Because that, that's not just a description of like an amazing thing that never happened, but that's what the essence is. It's Mamesh So in other words, what we're seeing from over here is that what the Ishmael is revealing to us is that this union of the Rabbanu of us being in God's world, of the mitzvah de la'ela, of reality being in such a, such a way where the Rabbanu Mama Shloylam is running the whole thing, where we don't have a real independent existence. That is something that every Jew believes in all the time although during the six days of the week, it's kind of in the background. On Shabbos, it comes to the forefront, but it's not super strong, and it can be overwhelmed with Lama Tes But when it comes to the of HaMikdash, that presence of Hashem, that reality, of that we're part of His world, and we don't have our own independent existence, and we truly don't exist as we think we do, is so palpable and is so intense in Bais HaMikdash, that no matter what you do in Bais HaMikdash, Lamtes Malachis bring Karbanis. It, it's not going to overwhelm that. Adaraba. It'll just be. It, it'll just be seen as the Rebbonish working through you, and so much so that if the Kohen Gadol for the slightest moment on Yom Kippur allowed that thought to you know to to not be not be his consciousness for that moment, then automatically he become disqualified from working the Beis Hamikdash. That's how intense it is in the Beis Hamikdash. So let's go back. We started with this question of like. What does Haman have to do with Ahasuerus? Haman is coming with... He, what Haman's objective is, is to destroy the existence of the Jewish people. And somehow, somehow he partners with Ahasuerus, who is also against the light of the Beis HaMikdash. And by Hashkoch it works out that somehow Purim turns into a time where the second Beis HaMikdash is Taka rebuilt where everything is in place to rebuild the second Beis HaMikdash. Why is it that Haman ha- ha- What's the Hashgah of HaPechu? That the, af-ka, the Gzir of Haman is there to allow the second Beis HaMikdash to flourish and to be rebuilt. The answer is, what does Beis HaMikdash mean? The Beis HaMikdash is a holy lahashman Lahar Because what does is, what is Lahashman L'Hareg L'Abe mean? When Haman was thinking, meaning in other words like this, again, the Indian of perm is that everything that comes to the world, what looks initially as terrible, terrible, ends up being Taka, the exact thing that you wanted, right? You're, 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 you're by the, when, when uh, you know, the Jewish people are by the, the, the meal of Ahasuerus, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. It turns out to be, not, not, you know, the, the meal turns out to be the best thing in the world because now Esther Malka is replacing Vashti. Vuchul, all these things. Esther Malka being captured by Ahasuerus seems to be terrible. Turns out in turns out to be the best thing in the world. Everything in Purim is in And the Gezeir of Haman itself becomes v'naha Because what Haman was tapping into, see, this is always the way it is. What was going on on Purim was that the light of the second Beis HaMikdash was making its way into reality. But what happens is always is that the other side picks up on whatever light is coming to the world. It first enters into our world in an immature way. And then with time, it ripens and it develops and and it lets itself known for what it truly was. The light of Beis HaMikdash is a light that destroys our sense of independence and our sense of existence as we are disconnected from God. There's a, the Beis HaMikdash means in holiness. Because that's what the Beis HaMikdash means. The base, but without the Beis HaMikdash, you exist. With the of HaMikdash, you're just an extension of God, which is, a, which is a much deeper existence. But you don't exist as you thought you did. So Haman is, picking, Haman is the shliach of Hashem, to introduce us to the light of Beis HaMikdash. How does he introduce us to that light in a very immature, underdeveloped way, which is kill everyone. But that gezeirah of al Abid is itself the the light of Beis HaMikdash entering into our lives. But Haman is tapping into it in an underdeveloped, unholy way of, of, God forbid, killing people. But then when that light ripens and develops, it turns into Beis HaMikdash itself. This is why Perm is, the, the, again, the two inyonim that are revolving around Perm is a decree against the Jewish people's existence in life, and the second Beis HaMikdash uh, overcoming that, and at the same time, planting seeds for second Beis HaMikdash. Again, feeling disjointed. What does one have to do with the other? The answer is it's mamish, one and the same. To rebuild the second Beis HaMikdash and to reintroduce the world to the light of Beis HaMikdash means to take that Gezer of lahashmir and L'Abed and to refine it and to reveal what it truly is which is a, a, the light of Beis HaMikdash which undermines our existence as we think we exist. That's what the Beis HaMikdash is about. If you take a look at Maramokah number four, so this is from the Sefer Tiferes Yasef, the a great-grandson of the Yishvitzer. It's in Masech Eschagiga, and he's quoting a Torah from his great-grandfather. It says in the Gemara that um, Eretz Yisrael is higher than any other part of the world, again, spiritually, obviously, and the Beis HaMikdash is higher than Eretz Yisrael. So the Beis HaMikdash is like the highest place in the world. So Ubir Marenu, so he quotes from his great grandfather Ezra who explained the Gemara like this. What does it mean that HaMikdash is higher than the world? What the HaMikdash means being described as higher than the rest of the world means that it is that the Beshamigdash is, is 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 revealing to the world and uh, and bringing to the world a level of Kedusha, which is absolutely firm and solid. See, this is the Nakuda. That gezerah that light of the Beis HaMikdash, which Haman is tapping into in, in an immature way, in an unrefined way, as L'Hashmer abid he's right that the Beis HaMikdash undermines our existence as we think we exist right now. But ultimately... It might undermine our existence as we think we exist as independent creatures that are here today and gone tomorrow, that have the ability of destroying our lives, you know, and destroying other people's lives. But ultimately, that light of Beis when it's refined, not only it doesn't destroy our existence, it it, yes, it takes away, it, it undermines our existence as we think we exist, but it actually gives us the greatest existence of all, to be extensions and to be part of God's universe. And this is the meaning of the Kedusha, the holiness, the reality that the Besam Mikdash introduces to the world, being described as the height of reality. You know, everything that exists is being, is being anchored, is being anchored on high. Instead of, it be, instead of it being anchored below, it's being anchored on high. It's like the Beis HaMikdash is that linchpin that connects the world to a higher place, thus giving it real existence. And as the Yisrael puts it, that the Rav chose the Jewish people, he, 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 he chose us to be the people through which this reality comes to the forefront, and chose us before we serve them. That's Asher K'Hitshar V'Mitzvayisav. And all the tzivanos in the world, or lack thereof, is not going to overwhelm the reality of HaSharei Kittshanah B'Metzva Yosef. Umakeh HaMikdash HaGivoyim Nekal O'Elam, Roi Me'ez HaZais HaKidushem, the Be'es HaMikdash being described as higher than the rest of the world. In other words, it's not, it's not disconnected and just a higher place. It's, it's taking all reality and raising it up to that place and giving it a firm, a, a firm foundation, a much firmer foundation than a foundation that could be found on a low place. is Gabi Yisrael, Gam Terem avidasam. And that's ultimately what also in number five, it's for us, Yosef quotes... Also, in in, in, in in over there, that he says, in the Beis Hamikdash, Kisham Iker Shein The Beis Hamikdash initially might seem as a place in which life is undermined, But in truth, Adrava, when we when it's developed and it's brought to uh, and, it, and it's ripened and it's brought in a healthy way, Adrava, that the Beis Hamikdash is a place of life. It's a place where life does not end. Life does not end, and everything is enhanced by it. Huh. Or that same Lushen or Lushen? Well, I mean that—that's—I mean that that Lushen, you know, maybe this is the first time that maybe anyone has ever used that lashon in a positive way. But 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 it's Lahashma la like, I'll give you an example. It, 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 you know, in Kedushas Levi, for example, you find this all the pla- all the placement many svarim that the highest madrega of dvekas is called ayin, right? So inaya laharim me ayin yovei and the svarim means that you have to get to that place of ayin. I mean, Ayn is basically the hashmar Lavi, to destroy oneself, right? To, an, to a, a bittal, right? to annul oneself. But that doesn't mean, like, Haman meant it. But uh, this is always the way it is. Whenever there's a, there's a light that... Whenever there's... This is, this is always, a, 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 you know, the deeper way how to, how to process any difficulty that comes in the world, whether it be individual, national, on the world scene, wherever the case may be. It's always a light. It's always a giloi coming into the world, but it just... Whenever... The, and the point of initial contact is always underdeveloped. It's always underdeveloped. Vahi Erev, and then vahi biker. So when reality comes into, whatever level of reality, whatever level of, you know, whatever new reality is entering into the world, it's always first experienced as something underdeveloped and usually the opposite of what it truly is. So Haman, that's, that's the point of here. Haman is picking up in the light of the Besamikdash, and in its underdeveloped state, it become it's described, it's defined and it's felt as getting rid of the Jewish people. but when you give it some time to uh, to ripen, then yes it's getting rid of the Jewish people as an independent frail, fragile, mortal mortal nation, but it's actually giving them the existence of an eternal existence. So what what is initially seen as the end of the Jewish people is, in truth, Ad Rabbah, the, the, the eternity of the Jewish people. It's just, you, you, have, to, you, know, you have to give more time to, to process and to develop. That's always the Klau. Whatever difficulty you see in the world, it's always the opposite of what it truly is. And with time, it manifests itself as the opposite. With Mashiach, it will be shown to be the opposite. It's always, every, all of Gols is the Erev to the biker that's immediately following it. I mean that that's that's the cloud. and Purim is is the yontif where this reality is most apparent, where everything that was that was the problem itself becomes its own solution, because it was never the problem to begin with. It was it was it was light coming into the world. Just again, the first contact is always underdeveloped and uh, and uh, usually corrupted, but ultimately with time it becomes it becomes the source of life. So the gezer of Haman itself was really. Uh, he, what, uh, really a chef of life. It was Momish a chef of, of eternal life. It was Beis HaMikdash itself. Again, this is why you have these two partners of Ahasuerus and Haman, and, and, and the storyline of Perm is revolving on these two things of trying to allow the Jewish people to live on and not to be destroyed by Haman and have the second Beis HaMikdash. Those two things are literally one and the same. And that's the, that's the side over here. So that's the greatness of the Jewish people, not just our ability to handle opposites, but quite the opposite. We, we have, with the Beis HaMikdash in place, and and for and, and, and connecting to it, light of perm, that the the level of 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 amuna of of of, of, dvekus, of Hashem is so intense that everything we do is not 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 contrary to it. It's adarav. It's it's enlivened by it. See, as as one, if the neshama is not developed enough to be able to be engaged in vitzivanu. Um, Without overwhelming Asher Kedusha Mitzvosev, then you have to make a choice. Then it's either the six days of the week, and you put Asher Kedusha Mitzvosev on the back burner, or on Shabbos, and you put B'tzivanu on the back burner. But the ultimate goal and the ultimate level that Jewish people have to reach with Gula, and that's what we're diving for, is that Asher Kedusha Mitzvosev should be so intense. That With all the tzivanos in the world, it just enhances that experience. It doesn't take away. It's not a, it's not a steer to it. That The korbanos of Beis should be Daycha Shabbos. That's the ideal. That's the ideal. No. So, Hashem should, us, should be zaycha, That uh, all the gezeres of this world, all the difficulties, all the Hashem, should be revealed for what it truly is, which is ad the light of Beis HaMikdash, and eventually the third Beis HaMikdash, to come into our lives and to anchor this whole world in a much higher place. That it should be the opposite of LaHashem, LaAbed. It should be... Only Al-Hakim and Zahra, and to uh, build and continue to build. Okay, shakaya,